Hello, everybody. Welcome to another episode of the Thriving Adoptees podcast. Today, I'm de- delighted to be joined by Claire, Claire Magenheimer. Great to see you again. Um, really looking forward to our, our second conversation for the, for the podcast. Thank you so much for having me, Simon. Great to be back. Good yeah. to see you again. So uh, Claire is an adoptee. She's also a uh, a, a coach. Uh, so you coach adoptees, right? Um, just a quick thing on that before we jump into the healing. Um how would you, so people will, I'm sure people will be um, uh, familiar with the term like a, a therapist. What's the difference between some a therapist that works with adoptees and a, and a coach like yourself that works with adoptees? Mm-hmm. That's a great question. A lot of people ask me that. And what I would tell people is that a coach is, I see people in the present moment, who they are, who they who they are today, knowing that everything is wrapped up in their wholeness, everything that has come before, what's going to happen in the future, it's all part of who we are. I work with people and with the premise that everyone is whole, no one needs fixing. (laughs) I truly believe that everything we want and strive for to overcome in our journey is within us. We have a lot of the answers. We have innate wisdom within ourselves. And sometimes we just need someone to help, to guide us through, to give us that support, to see us, hear us, validate us, so that we can go on this journey to discovering whatever we're trying to discover, wherever we're trying to go and helping guide people along that path and just really allowing them to step out into their own power, their own true identity, their essence of who they are um, is helping them to reach their goals and you know, to be thriving, like you said, I love that. And where a therapist will work with someone um, and look at the past a lot and, and try to you know, help them um, you know, come to terms with some of that um, doesn't mean that I won't touch on things in the past, because like I said, we're not just the present moment, like everything is wrapped up within us and who we are, but we're, I'm really helping people to, like we talked about, get unstuck and really discovering what, what that is, what that means to them and how to move forward and live the life that they truly want to live. Yeah. Wow. So one kind of challenge that comes to my mind uh, from from that is one one of the we're talking we're focusing on healing today, mm-hmm. um, and um, so one of the questions we talked about asking was, what does healing mean to you? And I guess on one level, if you're saying that people are already whole, then healing is a different. Healing take healing's probably you healing's got probably got a different meaning to you on mm-hmm. on that basis, is it? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So this is going to I this is something I was really looking forward to talking with you about because when you asked me what does healing mean to me, I was really reflecting on that. And what my answer today is a different answer from what I would have given you a year ago or five years ago or 10 years ago. So 
my healing today, what it means to me is different from, you know, maybe like eight years ago when I would say I was really starting to do that work on myself. I was coming out of the fog and I was, you know, just trying to figure out like who I was and um, that healing was very different from what I needed back then. And back then I would say that I did not feel whole. I felt very broken. I felt like there was actually a literal hole in my heart. And I was just going around trying to fill that with something to feel whole again, you know, something that I needed. And I felt like whatever that was, was outside of me. It was um, finding love through a relationship or it was finding happiness through, um, you know, my um, career or, you know, trying to find my identity or, you know, maybe even reunion with my biological mother. That was what I felt back then I needed to heal. So you were looking outside yourself. Mm -hmm. And it sounds like you're not looking outside yourself anymore. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Today, my healing looks completely different. I mean, I'm still along this journey and I'm not saying that I am completely healed. I don't think I'll ever be like, you know, finished with my journey. I think it's just uh, like a, a spectrum of where you are. And so today what it looks like, I uh, really have a better understanding of my identity, who I truly am and being able to connect to myself, my true being, uh, my essence, not just what I look like or my story, um, who I am at the core of me. That's something that I've been really uh, working on and that's helping me to really reclaim my story and figure out who I am without all of the stories that I was told about, you know, how I got here. Um, you know, from maybe my adoptive parents, they told me certain things, but that story started when I was adopted and I have a whole story before I was adopted. And I didn't have any information about that. So like that was something who I'm figuring out who I am and how to navigate the complexities, um, you know, dealing with triggers and having this healthy sense of self that I can live my life with boundaries that are feel good to me. And um, just being in a place where I feel like I don't have to relive all of the traumatic experiences. Like I did that through therapy. I did years and years of therapy. So I felt like I was just reliving all of the experiences to try to get to the root of what what's going on with me and how can I overcome these, um, these traumas within myself and how can I feel whole again? So today is more about, um, I say really connecting to myself connecting to my body, my sense of being, my spiritual self. These are all things that I've come to um, as place in my journey where that's what feels healing to me. Um, something that I think is like interesting, your, your, your logo is, you know, thriving adoptees. And so that's something that I think we all strive for is to be thriving. And so that's what I've been doing a lot of work on myself. How can I feel and how can I be in a state that's more thriving, expansive, rather than being in a wounded or a contracted state. 
And I'll explain a little bit more about that, like as we kind of deep dive deeper into the, um, you know, the mind body connection that, you know, you had asked me about. So when I think about uh, when I felt very wounded, you know, when I felt like there was a hole in my heart, when I felt like there was something missing in my within myself. I can think back to how I felt and how I probably looked to other people and it's more of a contracted state where you're on the defensive your you know your nervous system is in high alert. you're in that fight or flight or fawn trauma response like I was all the time, I think. And your body posture is probably very contracted as well, you know you, your shoulders might be hunched over I was probably not happy a lot and. What a difference between that and a thriving state. So to me, that's healing. Yeah. Well, there's so much there. Um, the, can you could you give us uh, uh, could you give us an example um, or or, uh, or a metaphor? Uh, I'm, I'm I'm really I guess I'm really trying to. I'm a, I'm a um, I'm an example guy rather than a theory guy. Mm-hmm. So, mm-hmm. Uh, or, or and some of this, and I'm a metaphor guy as well, right? So, mm. but what when you when you're talking about being, um, you're talking about being on the defensive and a and, and a sh- and a shift from uh, a, a a reduced state to an expansive state. Can you talk a little bit more about that? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So one metaphor that comes to mind is thinking about a wound. You know, we can talk about our wounds internally, internal wounds, you know, with your emotional wounds and on your psyche. Um, but then there's physical wounds as well. So when I think about a physical wound, let's say you get um, a gash on your leg. You know, maybe you're hiking, you, a tree branch, you know, scratches you, you get a wound on your leg, right? So a lot of times when we get a wound, it's like an emotional wound. And so our body is an amazing thing. Our body knows how to heal our wounds, right? We don't have to tell our leg, okay, now do this in order to heal. We just know we, we take care of it. We keep it clean. We keep it dry give it some time and it will heal itself. Our bodies are made to do that. We are made to heal ourselves and we have everything within us to heal. Now, a lot of people, they might, whatever reason, they might go and as that wound is healing, as it's starting to go from like an open wound to, you know, scabbing up, they might go and start picking at that scab, right? Picking, picking, picking. I know that we've all done this. I've done this with like hangnails. (laughs) I can't stop. (laughs) But what does that do? It opens up that wound again. And it causes it not to heal, but maybe to heal slower. But you keep picking at that scab and reopening that wound. So this is, for me, this is something that just, I came to mind that I was doing in my life where I was thinking in order to heal my trauma, in order to feel whole again, I needed to relive all of the traumatic experiences that I had been through. And even, you know, I think that the work I did in therapy was so helpful, so needed and necessary. 
I did in a way open the wound up in order to go inside and figure out what what was happening like and bring all that up to the surface that I had repressed and suppressed. So that going back and uh, picking at that wound, it made it, you know, just, I mean, it, I'm, I'm healing from it. But what I've learned is that after a certain point, I can go back and relive those traumatic experiences over and over and over. It's not helping me at this point, Simon. <laughs> it's not, you know, I can make peace with it, but then some people will feel the need to keep going back and reopening that wound. And what I felt is that I know that by being connected with my body, being inside of myself and feeling, being able to allow myself and give myself permission to feel the emotions, to feel what I'm feeling, where I had cut myself off from that for a long time, I'm now able to not only feel the feelings, have healthy ways to deal with them, release them, release the trauma from my body so that I can tap into the elevated emotions, love and gratitude and peace, empowerment, things that I do want to feel. While I can still deal with the emotions that come up because we're human and they're going to come up, you know, the fear, the anger, the sadness, but have a way for it to pass through my body and release that so that I'm no longer stuck in that contracted state. Wow. So you talked about expansive. Mm -hmm. right? What's coming to me is that you're allowing them to pass through. Like uh, if 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 um, and I'm I'm thinking of another metaphor like a pipe, right? Like a you know, like a drainage pipe. Mm -hmm. So you've got um, a narrow a, a, a narrow pipe isn't going to let much through. Whereas an expansive pipe, a wider pipe, is 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 going to be uh, is going to let more through faster, and you're rather than trying to block the pipe or push what's coming down the pipe backwards, right? Mm -hmm. Does that make sense? Mm -hmm. So you're mm -hmm. trying to like we're trying to push push our emotions away. Mm -hmm. is like trying to push a, a lot of a torrent of water coming down to us we're trying to push it away you're saying no open up and let the uh, the anger and the fear and those sort of trauma feelings through yeah Yes, absolutely. Yeah, thank you so much for that metaphor. I think that's so helpful. And that's exactly what I'm talking about. Um, like something that comes to mind also, I know because you love metaphors, I'm going to give you another one. When you think about a room, you know, that has four walls and four corners. And after a while, the room gets dirty with dust and, you know, debris and things like that. Maybe spider webs will kind of collect in the corners of the room. Think about it like a broom just sweeping out everything, sweeping it out that's been collecting and collecting and collecting. And it's hard to really reach those corners of that room without a broom, without something that's going to sweep out the cobweb, sweep out the dirt, sweep out the dust. So when I'm talking about your, I mean, your analogy of the pipe, I love that. And when you widen it into an expansive state, 
then you're allowing all of that to come through you and allowing yourself to not only feel the emotions, but feel it in your body and to connect with that. And something that I wanted to talk about is part of the healing process for me is just being introduced to this concept of your mind-body connection and almost mind-body and spirit. We're all connected. I think the Greeks have a term called soma, which it derived from the Greek and they, you know, me, we, the literal translation is body. Soma is your body. But to them, the soma was everything, the collective, the, the mind, the body and the spirit, all of it together. They didn't, I, they didn't separate the three. It was all one. So when I learned how to connect with my body, my soma and connect my psyche, which is your psyche is um, basically your thoughts, the part of you that thinks your ego, it's the, the part that has um, plays a role in your mindset, um, maybe your storytelling, right? That's, that's our mind. And so our mind is connected to our body, the place where we feel things, feel physical sensations, we feel the emotions. That's the part of you that feels. So connecting the mind with your body allows you to tap into that innate intelligence that I was talking about. That's inside of all of us. It allows you to really remember all of your parts, the mind, the body, the spirit, and pull the pieces back together again, because we have become so disconnected. And I think it's just part of how we live our lives. We're just very disconnected. We're in our heads a lot. Um, when we can attune to our bodies, attune to our heart and our gut, our instinctual part of us, right? That's something that a lot of us have forgotten. We, when we attune back to these parts of us, we are now remembering all of the parts of us and coming into that innate intelligence where we can read our bodies, we can read our gut instincts. And, and then we can use that to change the story that's playing in our minds into more of an elevated, beautiful story that we want to feel. We want to we want to have that feeling rather than being in that dark place where I think a lot of us are when we are feeling stuck or contracted. So part of this, um, you know, this healing that, you know, I'm talking about is part of my journey that I was, I, I think has been instrumental in getting me from where I was maybe, you know, eight or 10 years ago to today where I can feel whole again, I can feel connected with myself and not have to look outside of myself for external um, happiness and we all strive for pleasure and run away from pain. But I think part of that is that we shut off that ability to feel the emotions and we become very numb and I was doing that for a long time. I was not able to really process all of those heavy deep emotions that I was feeling and so I just pushed them away like you said like closed up that that tube that valve and I wasn't allowing it to come through. But when you do allow it to come through and feel it. Um, you can process it, you can feel it, but then you're able to feel the highs also. And that's where it's so beautiful, living life where you're able to not only feel all the emotions and process it and let go of them instead of holding on to those, you're able to feel the elevated emotions. And that's just beautiful to me. 
And that's part of my healing journey for sure. So what came to my mind as you were describing that was my mind rejecting my feelings. Does that make sense? Mm. Tell me more rejecting. about my what, mind what goes rejecting, through your mind. My, my mind rejecting my feelings. So, mm -hmm. for example, um, uh, my mind doesn't my my mind doesn't like my anger. Mm. What does so, it think about that? Sorry. What does it think about your anger? Well, it's worried. Mm -hmm. it, it, it's it's worried it's worried that the anger could get the person into trouble mm. what um give me an example of how that might happen is there okay. a time that well, you can think of yeah sure i mean th there are Well, I've talked about one of, I think I've talked about this on the podcast, but you know, it's so long ago. So I was on a, a school, a day trip with school when I was 10 and I lost my backpack and I was late onto the school bus mm. to go back because I was looking for my backpack. My rucksack, back, backpacks, you call them backpacks, we call them rucksacks. I don't know. We, you know <laughs> okay. Two, two nations separated by one language, is it? So I can't, <laughs> anyway. Um, so as I got onto the, the bus, the school coach, and whatever, um, this kid who was also called Simon, another Simon, he kind of sneered at me about the fact that I'd lost my rucksack. Uh, and I just, I just snapped and punched him in the face. Mm. So have I done that since? I, I've, I've probably, probably not, but I've got close to it, mm -hmm. and and so my, so my mind is wary mm. of of my anger. It knows how, mm. how it can cause stuff. Yeah, yeah. So that paints a really vivid picture of what you must have been feeling when you felt that need to punch him. Well, you felt anger. I, right? I, I, I didn't feel. I, I don't remember feeling the need to punch it. I don't remember thinking at all. I just remember flipping. It was. Uh -huh. it, it was a. It, it was an instantaneous trigger. He he was two foot away from me. Mm -hmm. My face sneering at me, and 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 my my arms more than two feet long, and I just snapped bang. Yeah. Wow. 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 So when you think about it now, like you, you remember that incident where, like, where do you feel that anger in your body? I'm, I'm doing some work with my therapist's office at the moment. Mm -hmm. um, uh, in my upper chest. Yeah. Upper chest. Mm -hmm. Okay. Okay. Yeah. So you feel it in your upper chest and then you have that emotion, that anger. Right. And then what is your mind saying? What, what is the story in your mind then? Um, well, why is this guy 
making fun of a, 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 of a mishap, making fun of me for having a, a, a mishap, for losing my rucksack. Why, why do you want to do that? Do you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. It, it, um, having a laugh at somebody else's expense. Mm-hmm. So you felt like you were being uh, laughed at or kind of felt like he was making fun of you? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And what, and making fun of me and making fun of what had happened. Making fun mm-hmm. of me. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, that's, um, that, that's, that's a very good example of what I'm talking about, because that in your mind, that is maybe part of maybe the story that you're playing in your mind about that incident is something that could it be holding you back in some area of your life? Well, I, I think it's, um, it's making me afraid of my fear. It's making mm-hmm. me want to you know, the, the, the teacher said afterwards, uh, just because you're having a bad day, um, Ben, so at, at our school, we got mm-hmm. called by our surname, right? Just because you're having a bad day, Ben, you don't need to make uh, anybody else have a bad day. She said something like that. Uh, and uh, and I, I, I guess I'm being wary of my, I've been kind of like trying to, push away my mm-hmm. anger and then it and then it explodes yeah yeah so i think that's normal that we want to push it away because in society we're taught even you know not even taking gender into account but we're taught that anger is not a very pretty emotion to to see like you know we're we're taught to you know to suppress it we're taught to you know don't show that side of you because people won't like you they're not they're afraid of that you know it's not it's not really a good um a good look on most people so we what do we do we suppress it so then you're talking about you know, this need to, you know, you, I mean, you have to punch him to get out your anger. So what if you had a way to feel the anger and let it go so that you didn't have the need to punch him or to have, to take it out on someone in that way? That's what I think a lot of us would want, right? That's what I, is what I want. I want to be able to feel as normal. We all are going to feel those emotions. We have anger in all of us. That's part of us as humans. So that's something that I have been learning about. I don't know if you've ever read the book, um, Waking the Tiger by Peter Levine. I think I've heard that. Mm-hmm. It's a great read. And it's something that I dove into when I was learning all about um, this mind-body connection. And so looking at, um, you know, how the nervous system works and how he had a very interesting uh, take and his perspective on healing or trauma is that he focuses on the body sensations, the somatic experiencing is what we call it. And he did a lot of research and looked at wild animals. Um, And there's a video on YouTube, you can look it up. It's um, it's looking at there's one um, with a polar bear being attacked and then an impala also. So what it shows that these wild animals, you know, they're just going along living their life. And then all of a sudden there's like an attack, like a tiger will attack 
the Impala. And the Impala is probably feeling that like, I, you know, the adrenaline running through their veins and just, you know, like that, that fight or flight kicks in, like it would happen for any of us if we were attacked by a tiger, right? So then they're in like, you know, fight or flight, they flight or they play dead or whatever they do to escape getting killed by this wild animal, right? And so afterwards, after the animal goes away, you know, it survives the attack. And what it does, it starts to heavy breathe, deep breathing, and then the whole body will shake. It's like it's shaking out all of that energy that, you know, it's just regulating its nervous system. And then it just gets up and walks away like nothing happened. It doesn't carry that stress and that trauma with them because it has a healthy way to release it. And Peter Levine, he looked at this approach of the way the wild animals have this built in innate ability to release that trauma and regulate their nervous system so they don't carry it around with them. And humans don't have that. We're not taught that. I mean, who teaches um, like breath work to children in school? Like, I feel like that's something, a skill where if we learn how to regulate our nervous system from, you know, the sympathetic state, the fight or flight to the parasympathetic, calm, rest and digest state, we're not always living in either one. And it's okay, we can fluctuate between the two and that's healthy, but knowing how to regulate and come back to the homeostasis rather than living in that fight, flight, or fawn state where we're hypervigilant, we're just always on high alert. Cortisol is high. And we, some of us live there all the time. We don't have a healthy way to regulate and release that trauma and release that stress. If we did, I think we'd have a lot more happy people roaming the earth. I think it would um, help with a lot of the problems that we're experiencing in society. I mean, war, like it just comes to mind, all the suffering and like division between people these days. And we're all connected, we're all connected on a spiritual level, like an energetic level. And yet we are so divided. I feel like that just this has come to a really bad place, but also just within ourselves being able to regulate that. So having that release, I found through somatic breath work and tapping into that somatic experiencing um, and taking what I call it is a bottom up approach to healing. So a lot of people, We'll go through the talk therapy and that's what I did that was my journey I started with the talk therapy and you try to talk your way out of feeling like you said like you your your mind was telling your body I don't like the anger and you're trying to deal with it and and tell your body not to experience the anger but you can't help that as part of who you are you're going to experience this so taking a bottom up approach what it does it allows you to connect with your body so that you can learn how to regulate your emotions, tap into the physical sensations and feel the connection to the emotion that's tied to the physical sensation. You know, if it's your body's like in a, you know, heightened state of awareness, if you're feeling anxious, if you're feeling that need to people please, all of these are the ways it manifests. Um, and then being able to release that, experience that feeling and let it go from your body 
then you can now bring into your mind any stories that you want to create rather than always playing that story over and over again. The, the one that might be not serving you today. It might be telling you, oh, you need to go and do all the people pleasing. You need to um, you know, over, be an overachiever. You need to um, you know, numb out with your addictions, you know, with food or alcohol or sex or gambling, whatever it is that we do. So when we have that approach, we can deal with it in a healthy way, release all of that stress from our bodies, like the wild animals have this built in ability to do that. And then we can really tap into our emotions, feel our emotions and regulate it because we're not on our emotions, but some people like I've done this in the past where I felt an emotion and then all of a sudden I became that emotion <laughs> like I was like I was just a ball of stress anxiety and that was who I felt I was but we're not it's just a feeling it's just an emotion it will pass through us yeah wow yeah. Um, you mentioned the hypervigilance word uh, halfway through and I was that's the word that was coming to to, to my mind um mm -hmm. and And you, 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 I think you're answering the next. My next question was going to be what helps us heal, and mm -hmm. I think what you're saying really is this, uh, this, this, you know, there's talk therapy, mm -hmm. and, mm -hmm. and there's and there's breath, breath work, and 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 the the breath work is the bottom up approach. Mm -hmm. and that, I'm putting words into your mouth. So let me ask the question instead of answering it for you. So what <laughs> okay. helps us there? What helps us heal? Right. Yeah, you're you're exactly right on, Simon. So um, you know, so part of that, um, you know, like why do we get stuck? I feel like that's a big part where, you know, we can go from um, you know, being in a um a place where we're just feeling stuck, like we maybe are aware of what it is what we're aware of our trauma we're aware of you know um, maybe we're out of the fog as an adoptee and going along that journey but i've seen so many i work with so many people who have done a lot of work a lot of talk therapy a lot of um you know that inner healing work that that work on ourselves that is so important we need to do that work on um I, embracing and, and figuring out who we are our identity so but they're still feeling stuck there that need to, um, you know, have those, uh, basically the trauma responses are still there, the people pleasing, the hypervigilance. Um, and they're feeling also physical pain. I see a lot of this when, um, when we allow ourselves to keep all of that inside of us, we don't allow us to complete the trauma response. So like when we have that, um, that um, attack, like from the wild tiger, you know, and then it's all that stress is within us, we hold on to that, we don't release it, we're not completing the trauma response, that stays within us. And that keeps us feeling stuck. Because it's, it's keeping us in that, um, that fight or flight. And we're not connecting to our bodies. So when we start to um, associate our bodies with our mind connect on a deep level I call it deep healing you know it's not just healing our minds it's not just healing our emotions it's not just healing our bodies but it's all of it even 
spiritually healing. Um, this is deep healing, and this has to come from a bottom-up approach. So um, just really understanding the soma and the psyche connection, that is really important, and how your body affects your mind. Your body, your heart, and your gut send so many more signals to the brain, like just tons of thousands of signals, like all day long, they're sending signals to your brain. And people think the brain is sending more signals to our heart, telling our heart how to feel, telling our gut how to react. And it's the opposite. They're sending the signals to our brain. So if we can heal down here in our heart and our gut, then that's almost all the work. Then the mind part is easy. Um, an example comes to my mind from um, in my old my old business, mm-hmm. um, uh, but it, it, it's it's clearly it's not an ad- adoption, um, it's not an adoption related thing. I, don't, I guess it's not a really uh, a re- it's not an adoption context, right? It's a business context. Mm-hmm. Um, so, have you got one? Have you got one that can does does something come to your mind from your experience? that's actually an adoption context one because that would be more relevant than mine I think um from uh you know like feeling stuck do you mean yeah uh, why why don't I give you why don't I give you my businessy one and then we'll yeah sure so uh this was a long time ago maybe 20 years ago a guy was coming for an interview and I my my gut said no right to this guy uh, and then he it was for a sales job uh, and and then he 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 did a very good sales job on me in terms of telling me what he, he thought that I was needed to hear uh-huh uh-huh um and I took him on and it was a complete disaster it was a complete complete disaster so the uh, the gut was no the head said yes, and and it and and the gut was proved to be correct. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's powerful. Looking back, it's like yeah. I mean, if we just listened to our gut and and followed our instincts, then we would make a lot of different choices. But looking back, I felt like I lived a lot of that um, with my uh, in my relationships, you know, in. Um, I feel like that um, the trauma response from that fear of abandonment, it just lived in me for so long. And I didn't realize it, but I was choosing, choosing just the wrong relationships. Um, Even though my gut told me it was not a good relationship to get into, but I thought, oh, my heart was telling me yes, or my, my brain was telling me yes, you know, and so looking back, like I just saw this pattern over and over again, I would get into these relationships where I was people pleasing, I was, you know, trying to do everything to accommodate, there were no boundaries, um, just red flags all over the place. Right? And I just, I was ignoring all of my, um, my, you know, the red flags go up when you follow your gut. And I should have paid attention to that, right. But I did not. And then, um, you know, it would all blow up. And it was after the fact that I would look back and be like, oh, there were so many signs, so many red flags, so many 
places and times where I, my gut was telling me, ah, this doesn't feel good. It doesn't feel good at all. And I should have listened to that. So yeah, there's a lot of stories. And that is, I believe, related to my adoption trauma and my wounds of, um, you know, wanting to people please. Um, that's, and that's a lot of us out there, I think. So my um, next question then is, is what do you think gets in the way of us healing? Mm. Honestly, ourselves. <laughs> I think it's ourselves that get in the way sometimes. We get in our heads and just like we talked about. Um, but also, I think just not knowing, not knowing um, where to go, how to get resources, people to surround ourselves with. I really honestly feel like a lot of my healing has been from uh, collective healing and adoptee spaces reading books, listening to podcasts, just having discussions, deep discussions and connections with other adoptees and just hearing other people's stories. That is very healing. And from what I hear from other adoptees, it's healing for them as well. So the, there's healing, there's power of healing in a collective space where you feel safe, even if it's just one other person, um, you know, whether it's in therapy, if, if it's in coaching, if it's in um, just having a friend who really gets you and holding space for you. I think a lot of us, we hear that term being tossed around a lot, like holding space, but we don't really truly get the the whole essence or meaning of it um, from what I, my own, I guess, definition of holding space would be just being in the presence of an empathetic witness, someone who will just hear you, see you, validate you without um, reacting or responding, trying to fix you. Um, they will allow you to be exactly who you are and have the big emotions take up space without feeling like you need to be small or you need to fit into a certain space. You can just be as big, as emotional as you want without the fear of someone reacting to that. And I think that is so healing for a lot of us. And it's just finding someone to hold space with us, whether it's one person or in a group. I think there's benefits to both. And I seek out places and spaces to do this kind of healing. Um, that is something that we, if we don't know, we don't know how powerful that is. So that's something I, I, I am trying to just really open up spaces for other adoptees to experience that healing because it is so impactful. Um, really just having the resources, like, you know, being able to feel like we're not alone as we're going through our journeys. That's another way that we are doing the work and maybe doing the work alone feels so different from doing it with other people. Um, and just feeling supported. And that's something a lot of us, I think, feel like we don't fit in into places. So we feel very alone. We feel um, not like other people have to have the same exact experiences as us as an adoptee going through our journeys, but just knowing that we're not alone in these feelings. Like what I'm feeling today, whatever it is, is I'm not alone. There's other people out there that are also experiencing this. And so having a connection to other people, I think, is very important. Um, a lot of people don't have that. And so that might get in the way of their healing. Um, 
but yeah, if you're really experiencing, you know, like um, mental health issues, seek out therapy, get professional help. Like that's definitely the first step. And then having that support from other, you know, spaces like the adopting groups or, you know, um, I, I like just having discussion groups where people can come together and just talk about whatever it is they're feeling without needing to be um, like in a therapy session. Sometimes it's just like, I just want to talk about what I'm feeling and it's not right or wrong. It's just how I'm feeling today. Um, that to me is very, um, you know, important for people to have. And then like I, I talked about the importance of being connected to yourself because I think that's part of um, the process of when we're going through or experiencing trauma and trauma is not what happens to us. It's what's left behind after the experience. It could be anything, you know, a, tra a traumatic experience could be anything from, you know, that um, experience you had on the school bus with your backpack, you know, that was very traumatic for you, it sounds like. So it left behind um, the trauma, but it could be something um, completely different. So everyone's um, experience with trauma, what they take away, what they internalize and what's left behind, that's the trauma. That's, you know, what we're dealing with. Um, so having a way to process that and um, like I introduce, I like to introduce the somatic experiencing so like what are you feeling not just what are you thinking so like being able to have access to that kind of healing um and those modalities like somatic breath work even things like um like somatic um, tapping on your body that's like just really helpful to get into your body um because sometimes when we experience trauma or we have those um we those big feelings we tend to dissociate sometimes you know that's a protection uh, mechanism where we are not safe to feel those so we dissociate from our bodies so think i had a hard time connecting to my body and feeling that so it took me a while but like the tapping on my body the um the breath work having a practice i do a daily practice sometimes it's just like five ten minutes a day but that really helps me to feel like I started today really centered and grounded and um, aligned with myself. Um, it's important to me to feel that way rather than waking up anxious or depressed or, you know, which I do a lot. And then what's the first thing a lot of us do is we reach for our phones. We start watching the news. We get on Facebook or we start answering emails or text messages. And already we're feeling anxious and stressed. Let's just give ourselves a chance before all of that starts, just to get back to ourself being in our own bodies, feeling grounded and just connected whether it's um, to yourself spiritually or physically, emotionally, all of that. So interesting, you mentioned the Facebook thing. Mm -hmm. So, um, uh, and you were talking earlier on about um, reliving. Did you, is that the word that you used? You, you talked about, you know, picking, picking at the scab, right? Oh, yeah. Picking at the scab is reliving stuff. Um, and I, I started, what came to mind is, is when I, you know, when I'm looking through Facebook or Instagram, 
Um, I, I see these, uh, I see these posts, and uh, about trauma, and I'm thinking maybe this is re- this this is like me picking at the scab. Mm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I I have felt that way as well. I had to give myself breaks from Facebook groups like that because I felt myself getting sucked into it. Then I would start to feel, oh yeah, it's heavy. And then it changes your day. It changes your outlook on the day. You know, it's very disempowering. I, I know that we want to help everyone, right? And like, you know, we talked about this before we started. We want to change the world and we want to start with ourselves and we want to, we see the need for people to have access to, you know, being able to change. And, and we can't do that for someone else. We can't even make them feel the need to change. I've learned that you cannot change someone. So wherever state they're at, if they're in that wounded contracted state where they're lashing out, they're, um, they're angry and they want to express that, that's great. That's what they need. You know, they need to be heard and seen and validated. But we do not need to experience all of that in order to be healing. Um, you know, there's definitely, um, I think there's limits and boundaries that I have put up for myself in order to feel like I'm in a healthy place where I can go in there and, you know, it has a purpose and I can serve people. Um, but if I feel like it's pulling me down into a more of a, um, you know, like a anxious, depressed state, I need to, I need to be aware of that and to serve myself and to get back to, um, you know, I call it homeostasis, just a, a good place for myself so that I can serve other people. And it, some people call it self-care, filling up your cup. You know, it sometimes, it seems a little selfish, but I have to do that in order to um, preserve my energy and to, um, you know, continue along my own healing path. And I, that's empowerment to me. That's knowing what I need. And that's part of my daily practice is I do a check-in with myself. Like, what do I need? What are my needs? Because they change every day, (laughs) you know? And so I am asking myself because very few of us have someone right there in our lives every day asking us, what do you need? We have to do these for ourselves. Sometimes uh, when I think about my healing journey, what it is that I want in life, sometimes I will think of a intention, you know, I want inner peace. I want love. I want to feel gratitude. These um, elevated emotional states that we're looking for, these are already within us. They're a part of who we are. That is what I found out. That is what I've learned. And sometimes we just need to clear out some of like, you know, the cobwebs, some the corners of the rooms, like we talked about, clear it out with a broom so that we can tap into those elevated emotions and we can remember those parts of who we already are is within us. And so when I can remind myself that every day, I can see what do I need to clear this out, to clear out my stuck energy, my stuck emotions, my stuck trauma, so that I can step into my own empowerment, my own alignment within who I want to be, how I wanna show up in the world, how I want to feel, how I want others to feel from me. Those are all things that I do 
on a daily basis so that I can be in this healing state where I can feel alive. I can feel like my, my energy and my cup is full so I can help and serve other people. This is something that, you know, I've come to this place where I'm like, like I said, I'm not fully healed, but I'm getting there. But these are things that I know they work for me and I have to practice it every day. It's a habit now, which, you know, it's like, you got to work at building good habits and healthy habits um, and get away from the other habits. So these are things that I know um, a lot of people might see this as well I can't get there like they feel stuck I can't get to where I want to be because I'm just stuck in this place so these are things that people could maybe think about trying you know and if they need support um, around you know getting started what does breath work look like what does somatic experiencing look like um, you know all of these things that you can start doing they don't require you know tons of resources they don't require a ton of money you can start doing this for yourself every day and maybe realize that like getting out of some of those facebook groups that are bringing that feeling of anxiousness and depression and anxiety um that might be a good place to start you know at least the first 10 minutes of your day you know do something to fill up your cup <laughs> and start at a good place rather than already starting your day off depressed or anxious yeah um i think you, you really helped me see that uh that picking at the scab thing mm. um with with reading um, reading the face reading the facebook posts mm -hmm. and and uh, I don't know if I can quite express that. Mm -hmm. Another yeah, thing I uh, wanted... Okay. Yeah, I was... Sorry, I talked over you. No, go ahead, please. Um, so I, I think I've been... I don't know. And I, and I, no, I'm not, I'm not quite sure how to, to express it. Um, it'll come to me. It'll come to me. The other thing that came to me is probably a bigger point is this uh and uh, and it's again on the back of what you've 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 said and this this healing so you've you've set out healing from a, a few different angles yeah um so you've talked about um psyche and and and, and spirit and emotion and what it what it means to me is what you're up to me is that spiritually we we are whole yeah mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And, and and maybe the healing is to do with uh, our our psyche mm -hmm. yeah all yeah. of that yeah it's all connected Breaking it into that helps me somehow. Maybe it's, I'm a being a bit left brainy, a bit, a bit logical, right? So it's it's a both thing. Now, in, in you're we're either in in most well, how I used to think, right? You're either whole or you're healing. Mm. It's it, it's one or the other, right? Mm. Uh, and what gives me um, uh, somehow more um, hope, I guess, 
um, it is is this spiritual wholeness, mm-hmm. and and, and uh, which is, you know, we we were always whole, yeah, mm-hmm. and our emotional or psychological healing it somehow it it it, it makes a distinction that helps me in mm. in some way because if we say to people who are struggling if i say to myself i'm whole mm-hmm. um then it leaves me nowhere to go right i'm i'm whole well that's me done that's it right okay mm. so that's mm-hmm. it but that's not how i feel that's not how I feel. I, I still feel curious. Mm-hmm. I, and I had a conversation with um, Glenn Murray. I mentioned him to you earlier on, right? He's coming on the podcast mm-hmm. soon. And so he's he's a couple of years older than me. And he reckons he has done 80% of his learning in the last 10 years mm-hmm. through conversations with other adoptees mm-hmm. and specifically mm-hmm. Korean adoptees. Wow, yeah. And, and I just thought, I was like, wow. I, I, like, I, I haven't, maybe, maybe it's because I did so much work before I came into the adoptee community. I haven't, I, I haven't felt that. And, Maybe that's maybe I should be looking to emulate him. Maybe I should be turning up my curiosity dial. Mm. And I, I try to do I, I try to do a podcast about this this morning. Um, Single handed, just me talking about it. And I had three or four goes, and I just thought, no, this isn't working. It's it, it's not oh. it's not making sense to me. So what? It's not going to make sense to anybody else. So I thought, well, no, I won't. I won't bother. Um, um, I won't bother pu- pushing it, but. Yeah, um, that cur- turning up the uh, my curiosity dial, I think, will 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 bring me a lot of um, uh, benefits. And I think the other way. Um, so, what's been keeping me stuck has mm-hmm. maybe my you know uh, my mind has has been a little bit set. Mm-hmm. I've been a little bit set in my beliefs. Mm-hmm. Where, but I, I, but I hadn't seen that. Hadn't you haven't seen, seen it. You mean you haven't seen how you have been stuck there? Um. I'll, well, until Glenn dropped this eighty percent stat on me, mm-hmm. right? So he's, I think he's uh, sixty-three. I'm fifty-seven, and he he said, "Well, since I in the last ten years, I've been doing all these uh, interviews, and and I've and and I've learned so much." And I just thought, hmm, maybe I should be dialing. I thought I was already pretty curious, but I, I see scope for even more curiosity. Yeah, I think that you're you're right in that being curious is a way that we can figure out what, what it is that we need to learn, how we're going to learn it. And that's how we're going to ensure that we're always going to stay growing and learning and healing. Because the minute you stop that curiosity and you just accept, you know, status quo or whatever your mindset is at, you know, we all have limited beliefs, we all have biases. So as soon as you accept that that is where you're going to stay, 
then we stop learning, we stop growing, we stop healing. So having that is the key thing. That's like the secret sauce right there is the curiosity. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. Um, is there anything else that you'd like to add that I've not asked you about? I think there's one thing that um, I wanted to touch on and we kind of talked about the um, the healing uh, I guess the healing on the emotional level, the mental and physical level. So that's one thing I wanted to touch on was the physical healing. And what that looks like, I've been doing a lot of, um, you know, since looking into, you know, the mind body connection, doing a lot of reading, uh, there's, I'm sure you're familiar with the work of Gabor Mate. Um, has yeah. a book when the body says no, and it looks into exploring the stress disease connection. So that is something fascinating that I have been discovering as I connect with other adoptees and learn about their stories. There's one thing that is a common thread that I found. It's not the case with every single one, but there is a common thread that there is a lot of physical um, illness, chronic illness, um, sometimes disease that they're dealing with, pain in the body. And that's something that I have dealt with um, my whole life. And it was starting as guess as a baby when I would have uh, a lot of skin rashes all over my body. And I had like terrible, I have scars under my neck here from, you know, the doctors trying to treat the rashes. Uh, and I would like scratch at them when I was a baby. So I had to wear like socks on my hands. And so there's something that comes and I've dealt with it all my life. And then as an adult, it kind of tapered off. But I noticed when I would have flare ups, when I would have, you know, a really bad rash pop up, it was always after I went through a very stressful time of my life. And I know as a baby, like one of the stories that I was told about how I was that I would never cried as a baby. I was adopted at 18 months old and at 18 months old, you know, that I didn't have the language. Well, I was speaking partly Korean. So I was adopted from South Korea and came over to um, my adoptive family who's white American. And so they didn't speak Korean. So I had to quickly <laughs> learn English, but I didn't have language, you know, like most 18 months old don't fully have language. So I couldn't express what I needed, but I also feel like it was part of my protection, you know, like not expressing my needs because I had this innate fear that um, back even as a baby people pleasing and just not being able to express what I needed. So I didn't cry. I didn't ask for anything. I was the perfect child. I was always seeking to be the good girl and that stayed with me. But when I go through very stressful periods, um, I would experience this rash breakout and I've had other various chronic illnesses as well. But one thing I've noticed, and also through the work of Gabor Mate, and um, even the body keeps the score, you know, they touch on these physical manifestations of trauma. And so what I'm getting at is that when we don't release our trauma from our bodies, as Gabor Mate says, the body will say no. If you don't say no, if you're a people pleaser, if you're going around not being able to say no to everyone in your life, then your body will say no for you. Meaning it will 
manifest something. Um, there has been so many uh, research done on the chronic illness and disease with patients um, like he has a, um, a, phys a physician, family physician, and there are so many diseases that were they were experiencing these children and families. And the common thread, like if you look at the ALS, Lou Gehrig's disease, you know, that one is affects your motor sensory. And basically your body will start to shut down, like you can't move your body, you're, you can't swallow, you can't talk. So all of, they did this research study and all of the people involved in the study, it was a big study, who have this disease, um, they were people pleasers, they were not able to say no. They had this commonality. And so it was manifesting by, you know, in their body, it was just shutting down, like their voice, they couldn't talk. This is their body's way of saying no. So it was so interesting to me. And I started to just really connect it with my own story. And then also like seeing and hearing stories from other adoptees that they were also experiencing pain and illness and disease in their bodies. So this is something that I feel like, even though we feel like healing to us means being happy and feeling whole, is also healing our bodies. Because if we don't heal that part of us, then we're, our bodies are going to be um, not healed. Wow. It's big stuff, eh? Mm-hmm. Big mm -hmm. stuff. Um, what about, you, you talked about feeling stuck. What, what, if, what if we feel that we're stuck with the, stuck with the primal wound? Because I felt that way for a while. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's a big one. That's a deep one. <laughs> the primal wound. Um, I think that, like, when I think about my primal wound and what what the wound is, what it means to me, and um, like, part of it is, you know, obviously the relinquishment from my birth mother and having that separation. But also as I did more healing and growth and inner work, it was more about the loss that I was never able to experience or, or express the loss, the grief, um, losing someone. And no one really recognizes that that's a thing <laughs> with adoptees. It's like all about, you know, how you make your adoptive family so happy. They love you. And, you know, they don't really talk about you're losing so much. And that wound is what a lot of us are still carrying around. And one thing I do know that just from my own awareness that um, I don't know, like the first 18 months of my life, I don't know anything, really, like, I don't know if any of the information I was given is even true. I don't know if my birthday is true. I don't know my name. I don't know where I was found or any of that information. But what I do know is true is something that we were born with is our our ability to be connected to ourselves and all of the parts of ourselves. Like I talked about having this innate wisdom inside of us. That's our birthright, right? We're all born with that, that connection. And even if it's severed, like we disconnect from our biological mother, we disconnect from our culture, we disconnect from our language, our first language. 
that connection within us that we have, we are born that way. That's our birthright. And we can always come back to that. Like if you feel stuck, if you feel like you need to, you know, um, reconnect, but you don't have those connections, you're missing your, your birth family, whatever it is that you're feeling, coming back to that part of you, like when I feel this way, I connect to myself and knowing that this is my birthright, this is something that people can't take away. Like I didn't have a choice in being adopted. I, I didn't have a choice taking away all of those things from me, but this is something that no one could take away. So that gives me peace of mind in that healing that primal wound. And I think that before, I'll, I'll, like back in the beginning of my journey, I thought healing meant reunion with my birth mother. And that was something I felt was like, oh, well, once you reconnect and you are in reunion and then you're healed. And, and after hearing so many other adoptee stories and who have been in reunion or are seeking reunion, and there are so many complexities to that, it's not always the case that that is what heals us. So I've, I've found the one thing that heals me is just that connection within myself. Yeah. And we all have that. Yeah. Um, I, I love that. Uh, I, I had this... Uh, slightly strange uh, parallel idea to, to what you just said then um, a couple of a couple of days ago so it was I was thinking about what does what does research show that everybody ignores right mm -hmm. and and it's not this isn't adoption related right this isn't adoption related so all the research in the world says that um, Money doesn't bring you happiness. Mm -hmm. And yet, we we have to learn that for ourselves. We will mm -hmm. definitely, we, we do, we, there's no way that we'll take that. Uh, unless, um, unless we see that as the truth for ourselves, then um, we have to, we have to see this. We have to see it for ourselves. Uh, and, and Jim Carrey, you know, Jim Carrey, uh, the actor talking about this, he says, mm. I wish everybody could be rich and famous and then they realize that it's not all it's cracked up to be. Yeah, I, right? I remember him saying that. Yeah. And it's a great thing. Right. So it's a bit like the it, it, and, and the thing that the reunion thing is a kind of a strange parallel to me. Right. If we if we've got in our heads. Right. Reunion. I, I I just put down um, re, uh, reunion does not lead necessarily lead to he healing. Mm -hmm. Reunion, and then I put a little equal sign and then a cross sign. Re reunion doesn't equal healing, mm -hmm. and, and and I think that's got to be one of those things that we see for ourselves, mm -hmm. like the money thing. Mm-hmm. Mm -hmm. And there's a flip of that in 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 my from my my case uh, is that I I had the biggest healing moment in relation to my birth mother, mm -hmm. um, reading a letter uh, from her about this teddy bear and, and and feeling her love for me and feeling at one with her. And then six months later, I found out that she was, um, that she died. 
She mm. died, before, and she died a long time before I went to the gym. And and people say that's really that's a real shame, and I say yeah, it, it is a real shame. But but I didn't. I I felt that I kind of like I'd had that spiritual connection with her, mm. reading that letter from her, and and given that experience that I'd had, the news that she died didn't didn't uh, uh, upset me because I'd already felt one with her. Does that make any sense? Oh, yeah, I got chills like that. Like that hit me hard. Thank you for sharing that so much because that, um, yeah, that, that what you just said right now, it just, it, I felt it like a full body feeling that that connection that you have with her is more than just the physical, the, the meeting, the reunion. And that connection, um, you know, you, I don't know, heard about like, um, well, generational trauma, even though like we don't like know, like I don't know my, my biological mother's, um, you know, her stuff or trauma, her DNA, but I feel like a lot of it is passed down. And I mean, there's a lot of awareness around this, you know, and so like, this is like felt, even though you're not in a physical uh, room with them, like you're feeling them. And so I, what I felt from that story with your mother, um, that connection is more than just a physical connection, more than just reunion. Yeah. Um, and, and an easier, perhaps an easier way of getting at it uh, struck me is, you know, we say that the, uh, our loved uh, our loved ones live on in our hearts mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Right? that, that uh, when we when we feel that mm -hmm. when, when when that's not just a theory mm -hmm. yeah? mm -hmm. when that's practice when that's yeah. not just an idea in our heads that's mm -hmm. an experience when, when yeah. we experience that our loved ones live on in our hearts that's what I'm saying. I, I, I felt I had felt merged with her. Mm -hmm. I, I didn't actually, yeah, I, I felt her and I were were one. That's the feeling that I had. Really. Wow, that's beautiful. Mm -hmm. And that's something that you have to experience. Yes, it's, like the, it's an um, experience, not an idea. Mm -hmm. For sure. Wow. But you like the that whole thing about picking at the scab, me picking at the scab with this, um, uh, uh, with the looking at the Facebook post and stuff. Mm. Uh, I think I can. I think I can express it now. So I was kind of angry with that. I was angry at their anger, and I wasn't. I was angry. I was angry at my own. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and you have every right to feel that, that anger. Um, but you know, that's a part of all of us, I think. Um, yeah, but what do we do with that anger? What What's a healthy way? Like, um, you know, people say, you have to have a space, like a space to get it out, just like a child will throw a tantrum, they don't care, they'll throw a tantrum in the grocery store at the at the restaurant, like they don't care who's around, they're going to throw the tantrum. And that's their way of 
getting out their feelings and their emotions because they are like they're so in tune with that what they They need are, as yeah. children and we unlearn that as adults so then we keep it all inside we can't throw a big temper tantrum we can't punk go around punching people as adults right so how do we get that out and keep ourselves from wanting to do that out in the world and take it out on people that don't deserve that <laughs> yeah I, i'd had uh, i'd had a vague idea around that as you were talking um but i couldn't formulate it into a question <laughs> so, <laughs> but you did it already so that's great um thank you very much claire and uh, uh as always listeners you know check out if uh if what claire's been talking about today especially this uh, somatic breath work because that's one of the things that you do you bring into, mm -hmm. into your coaching into your practice mm -hmm. if you want to check that out and, and find out more then check out the links in the in the in the social in the change the, the links to our website in the show notes and um uh, and i think this is really just think this is really powerful powerful stuff so many people are telling me look this is pre-verbal trauma so talk therapy doesn't work right How can how can talk if we haven't got words if we can't talk about it if we haven't got words for it if we haven't got language for it how on earth can talk therapy heal non-verbal stuff pre-verbal stuff it just can't can it mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. yeah i mean there is definitely um a need for talk therapy and um like i said if, if you're struggling with mental health issues and you know, you, you need help, like you need to seek out a therapist, professional help. But I feel like there should be a connection, um, talk therapy with the other modalities, with the somatic experiencing work, getting into your body as a way to help the, the healing process. It just makes so much sense. And, and a lot of therapists are going that way. A mm. lot of therapists, a lot the the people that have warned me about pre-verbal trauma telling me about pre-verbal trauma are therapists that we've had on the show right so i'm, mm -hmm. I'm not um uh, they're all they, they're cottoning on to this mm -hmm. the good ones mm -hmm. cottoning yeah. on to this so um i think probably my uh, and the therapist i'm working with at the moment is is into this stuff uh and uh, so i think probably um Uh, we're being. Uh, I'm. I'm taking. I'm using an old. I'm using a, an old view of of what therapists used to be like, and being a bit unfair on the on the one. So, um, uh, apologies, therapists. <laughs> yeah well this is a big movement that's happening and i i feel like people are just awakening to it the you know the power of these other modalities and you know the spiritual and um you know like we talked about the bottom-up approach and i think it's becoming more of a um an accepted modality so i feel like talking about it and bringing awareness to it is really helping people out there that are looking for something that might help them in their healing and being able to get some of that stuck trauma out and moving on in their life um so yeah and uh simon i wish you all the best in your journey um as always it's wonderful to chat with you and to do these deep dives i love it if there's anything that i can do um, we can do some somatic breath work together i would love that too That'd be great. Thank you, Claire. And uh, thank you, listeners. We'll speak to you very soon. Take care. Bye-bye.